everyone, and welcome to the Bloomingdale Church Podcast. My name is Dan Marcello, and I'm joined by Worship Director Scott Reed. Associate Pastor Bill Calvin. And Media Coordinator Max Terman. So that's what that feels like. And I have no idea what to say next. <laughs> when Let's I, all ponder the existence job. of God. When I'm dead and gone, the podcast will be in good hands. <laughs> um, I forgot to say who I was. <laughs> it's, yes, you're Dan Marcello. I am. That's all I need to know. Uh, Bill, can you uh, just pray for us to, to start the show? Sure. Lord, we bless your name. You are a great God. You are on your throne. You have everything in your control. We're so glad for that. We bless your name and we pray for what's going on in our nation today. And we pray too for our simple podcast that you will fill us with your spirit to speak your truths in a way that really matters for eternity. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. 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 Um, well, today is January 6th, 2021. Welcome back. We're all back together for the first time um, in a number of weeks. Uh, and I'm unfortunate, or I guess I'm disappointed that uh, we're going to start off on kind of a down note, but it's worth um, noting that as we are recording right now, about an hour ago, um, the House of Representatives, uh, the Senate, um, just Congress as a whole was evacuated um, from the Capitol building um, because of uh, threats of violence and shots fired um, as they were certifying the election that took place in November. Um, and what I want to talk about today, what, what we want to talk about today is encouragement, um, but encouragement for things that truly matter, um, encouragement for uh, the reason that we all breathe, and that is mm -hmm. the gospel of, of Jesus Christ. Um, and so uh, it'll be a little bit of a shorter show today and a little more straightforward, and we won't have as many bits or gags or, or laughs. Um, but nor jelly beans. Nor jelly beans. I'm sorry, Dan. It's a dark day. <laughs> so, um, so the question that I think I asked about seven minutes ago, so you've had plenty of time to think about your answer. <laughs> um <laughs> Is what was that question? <laughs> how how does the gospel thrive today? How does Jesus win today on this day where our country is fighting itself? Uh, people are angry with each other and they're angry with the system and they're angry with the last year of quarantine. Evil is doing what it does best, which is taking the things that live in us and perverting them and forcing them out as uh violently or, or darkly as possible. How does Jesus win today? Well, one thing that went on in my mind was he's already won today. Mm. He's already won the battle over sin. Jesus has died on the cross, risen, defeating sin and death. And I think it's easy when we see humanity at its worst, which this is a pretty bad thing to have happened. Very, We don't even know the full extent of what's going on. And I'm sure our listeners have the benefit of having listened to it later on when there's more developments and news. And, but it's discouraging, and it's the, one of these situations where you see humanity is just at one of its worst points of mm -hmm. fighting against each other, uh, just horrible, wrong, mm -hmm. um, and distressing for, for all of us. And it's, it's easy to forget that Christ has already won the day mm -hmm. when we see all this going on and all the junk and the garbage. And that really is just sin, the, the, the sinful nature of the human race. 
And the hard thing is, is we look at the Bible and we don't really get much encouragement that it's going to get better over time. Mm. Like I was thinking about what Pastor David's preaching on in, in Matthew 24, and Jesus says all these things, you know, nation against nation and kingdom against kingdom and famines and all this bad stuff. And he says, all these are the beginning of birth pangs. Mm. And it just reminds me that things are going to, are going to get worse. And that's hard. I don't mean to take us any more like a negative no, direction, but it's, it's what, what Jesus, is the words from his mouth. And that's, that's hard. Hmm. Part of me is like, how, how can it get worse? What could happen? More could happen. And I'm sure it could. It is hard. And yet the verses coming to my mind are, lo, I'm with you always, even hmm. to the end of the age. Never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. The Bible makes it very clear that there are plenty of bad days in anybody's life. But nobody's right. bulletproof. Everybody gets hit. And yet, Jesus is walking with us through it all. And as a Christian, I say, well, I'd rather be with Jesus in the middle of a battlefield than without him on a white, sunny beach. Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. <laughs> It's just way better to be with Jesus. So I look at what's happening today, and I'm dismayed, and yet I think Jesus isn't thrown off by this. He, he faced worse violence than this when he had to go to the cross, and he's the one that's going to bring Armageddon. So this is just a little tempest in a teapot compared to what is going to come, and Jesus is going to be right there in the front when Armageddon busts loose. So... That, that helps me realize, you know what, no matter how bad it might get in Washington, D.C., Jesus is with me. He's with millions and millions and millions of others in our country, and uh, he's got this. It's not like it's slipping through his fingers. Yeah. Oh, no, now we really got a problem. The devil's ruling the world. <laughs> he's no less in control now than he was 12 hours ago. Amen. Right. Yeah. This past year, uh, with all of the turmoil, political turmoil specifically that's gone on, I've thought a lot about politics in our country, and I think, I think that there's a, a not insignificant amount of fear among uh, Christians as we see our country. At least on the surface level, it, it feels at times like it's sliding away from, you know, the Judeo-Christian origins or the theistic origins or the deistic, whatever the origins were. The the good old days, quote unquote, and and that can, for people who have benefited in that system, like white Christians have, um, that can be kind of scary. So I've been thinking a lot about that. And I had this thought, and Dan and Bill, if I'm wrong, let me know, because I think it's kind of a wild thought. But um, I was talking to Leah about this a, a month or two ago, and, and I realized, you know, I... There are, there are values espoused by both political parties that are biblical. I don't think religious freedom is a biblical idea. And here's why I say that. If we think of religious freedom as the freedom to practice any religion, well, that's certainly not very biblical. When the Israelites practice any religion they wanted, other than the one true religion of following Yahweh, there were some pretty dire consequences of that. You know, they could do it, mm. but like God didn't want them to do it. God wasn't happy that they did do it. You know, the idea of we can of practicing everything is not like a biblical value of practicing anything, I should say. And if we think of religious freedom as the freedom to practice Christianity freely, well, that's not very biblical either, because Jesus makes it pretty clear that we're going to have really hard times as Christians in the world. You know, he says, if, if they hated me, 
think about what they're going to do to you. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, that is a really challenging and, and kind of frightening thought. But it brings me also to this idea of, I think we all know this in the American church. It's just not something that's super fun to talk about or think about that the church thrives. The gospel thrives under pressure and in hostile environments. That's how it was founded. And, and, you know, I was just reading today about the Pentecost and 3000 believers came, you know, in one day and after one sermon, like mm-hmm. we don't see that happening in America. And unfortunately, when we look at Europe and we look at North America, the church kind of st- seems to stagnate a little bit when it's not facing opposition, at least in some ways. Mm. And so I just, you know, that's not really an encouraging thought that, you know, our religious freedom might be taken away from us. That might be a a good thing. But I I was also um, reading through the Gospels recently, and and I came to this passage. It's a very familiar passage. I'm reading through the uh, New Living Translation right now, but something about it, maybe it's because it was the translation, maybe it's just because of, you know, this time reading through, it just stuck out to me differently. This is Matthew 10, uh, 17, says, But beware, Jesus is speaking to his disciples, for you'll be handed over to the courts and will be flogged with whips in the synagogues. That's kind of scary. Um, you will stand trial before governors and kings because you are my followers. Also scary. This is the part that really jumped out to me. But this will be your opportunity to tell the rulers and other unbelievers about me. And in that, mm. suddenly it became really clear to me why the gospel thrives in hostile environments, because suddenly Christians are in are in they're constantly in situations where they are surrounded by people who are not only don't believe them and are just kind of passing by, and you know you don't get the opportunity. They are challenging, they are attacking, they are they are confronting the Christianity in this person, mm-hmm. and you can't avoid the conversations anymore. You either hold to your faith and you do something incredible by the power of Jesus, like tell the rulers and other unbelievers about him, or, you know, you you kind of crumple. And I think as we've seen time and time again throughout history and around the world, and like what Bill just said, Jesus is worth it, and the message gets out. And so I think, you know, looking at the situation in, in Washington, who knows what will happen. You know, I'm not really like a doom and gloom kind of guy, but like this could be, you know, the beginning of the end. I I certainly don't know. And like Dan said, things are going to get worse. But at the end of the day, like, it's okay because we weren't promised easy. We were promised Jesus. Mm. And like Jesus is mm. like so worth it. And like, and even if things get really, really tough in our country, like maybe that's good. Maybe that's good for the gospel. Maybe that's good for the church. Maybe that's good for us. Mm. Even if it's not fun, like it might still be good. Mm. What makes Jesus worth it? to you. I'd piggyback off what Bill said, knowing that he's there, knowing that he's present in every, in any circumstance that nothing is going to shake him off or he's not going to, you know, in the sense of like, he's just going to go away or just get fed up or that something's going to be too hard for him to handle. Mm. You know, that he's that, that friend that sticks closer than the brother and is just going to be there through it all. Mm. And he's so awesome. Like not in like the colloquial sense, but in like the true sense of the word awesome. And like mm-hmm. Jesus says, no one's seen the father except the son. But when you've seen the son, you've seen the father. And in that sentence, no one's seen the father, you know, it kind of harks back at least a little bit to like Moses. When God says, like, I can't show you my face, like you wouldn't be able to withstand seeing my full glory. 
like if you saw God or in fact Jesus in his full glory, like no one would ever ask the question, like, why is Jesus worth it? Mm-hmm. It's just that we, you know, we've kind of covered him with a blanket and we don't, mm-hmm. we haven't seen it face to face, which isn't like a great answer to your question, but it's like a, in, at the end of days, like no one will ask why was Jesus mm-hmm. worth it? Cause it will be so, so clear when mm-hmm. we see him in his glory. Mm-hmm. And then couple that with the fact that he chose to put aside his glory and come down into the world to be the friend that's closer than a brother. Like he's both. Mm-hmm. And that's mind blowing. Yeah. My answer is very simple. Even if I live to be a hundred, I'm still in the last one third of my life. Mm-hmm. So I'm looking at the finish line. Mm-hmm. When the finish line is eternity in heaven, I can't wrap my brain around eternity. I don't think any human being really can. But at least we have a glimpse of, okay, eternity. So anything here, even if we live to be older than Methuselah, 969 years, mm-hmm. it's nothing compared to eternity. So that's what makes Jesus truly worth it as well, to, to have an eternity where there is no war, there is no sickness, there is... Nothing that's detracting of life, but everything is life-giving. I'm looking forward to that. I'm really looking forward to seeing Jesus face-to-face. I know I'm going to just melt down, but I'm looking forward to that day. Something I was thinking about, going back to what you were saying, Scott, thinking about the New Testament and Paul and the other authors, thinking of the great persecution they all suffered mm-hmm. at the hands of the governing authorities and to get the Jewish leaders who weren't in agreement with what they were teaching. You don't really see them going, hey, I get this right to to not have to suffer. The, I, I should get this right to have, practice my religious freedom. You don't see them like focus on that exclusively in their letters of like, hey, I'm, I'm really worried about this and I, this is not fair. You see them like really just persevering under the trials and not really even, you don't really even see that part of hey, I shouldn't have to go through this, and this is too hard, this is not fair. Lord, change the hearts of these these leaders and make it so that I can, you know, do what I want to do for the gospel. You see him, like Paul having joy, like you think in the book of Philippians, you see just continuing the work even though he's in prison. Um, I find that really impressive, yeah. that it wasn't about like, hey, look at me and my, my circumstance and this is really tough. Even though, And it was, it was like, there's no sugarcoating. It was challenging. That is, wasn't the focus. Yeah. And like in a, just a complete reversal of what you would expect, like when, and this happens in other places too, but like when the apostles are thrown in jail in the beginning of Acts, they come out and they rejoice because mm-hmm. they suffered dishonor mm-hmm. for the name of Jesus. I, I can't even like really comprehend a genuine joy in suffering because it connects you to mm-hmm. Jesus. Like that's, that's insane. And not only were they not like, I don't, I shouldn't be going through this. They're like, Oh my gosh, I'm so happy that I yeah. went through this because I got to do it for Jesus. And then they say stuff like pray for your governing authorities because they're God's instrument of good to you. Mm. The same mm-hmm. instrument that's punishing them yeah. for their faith. Yeah. Like Which, pray for them. Like, whew, wow. I never connected those two passages before, but, it kind of like that was, you know, the thing that Dan just said was something that was a little confusing to me. Mm. You know, this idea that the, the rulers are God's instrument of good and they have the sword for a reason mm. and all that. Because it's like, well, what about the rulers that, you know, persecute Christians and, and are horrible people and, the, you know, mm. the Hitlers and the Stalins of the world? And well, for them, for the apostles, you know, being persecuted 
that was good, <laughs> which is wild. Yeah. So I read a book this past week called Christ and the Caesars by Ethelbert Stauffer, who was a German scholar in the 40s, 50s, and 60s. It was a hard read. It, it probably took me three weeks to plow through this book that's not even 300 pages long because it, he had vocabulary words and it's like, what is he saying? But he had a great message and the thrust of it was Christ overcame the Caesars by way of the martyrs. Mm-hmm. That the Caesars were purposefully fighting against Jesus Christ and his gospel. And they did things that I, I really didn't grasp at first. It was, they gave themselves titles such as Domitian. He wanted to be referred to as the Lord God. You think, what a blasphemy. Mm-hmm. To, you're not the Lord God. And he knew he wasn't the Lord God. But typically the Caesars wanted to be referred to as God in one title or another. And sometimes it was multiple titles. Why did they want that when they didn't even believe they were God and the people around them didn't believe it and they would even laugh about it, that you are not God, you're weak, you're dying right now as we speak. And the reason why they wanted that was they were using that to pull the Roman Empire together, that they wanted it to be a one religion empire and it can't be Jesus Christ because he's subversive. People have a great loyalty to him. Their loyalty to him undermines their loyalty to us, which was actually false, but that's the line they held to. They kept persecuting the Christians, and I remember reading a story about a whole group of 12-year-old girls being killed for the name of Christ because they would not recant. You think, good grief. This is Satan on fire, really, mm-hmm. when you consider you're murdering 12-year-old girls because they won't recant their faith in Jesus Christ. Yeah. But I say all of that to say that's how powerful the gospel is. Eventually, the power of Rome just completely petered out in front of the power of Jesus Christ. And mm-hmm. people said, we don't care if you kill us. Mm-hmm. We are staying with Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. And And there were so many of them, and they were doing so many good things. They were the ones starting hospitals, for instance. They were the ones taking children who were left to die, babies, because they had a defect. And uh, they would go around the parks and pick these children up and take them home and nurse them. And and yes, they were were disabled children, but, but they gave them life. They were doing all of these incredible acts of heroism and the rest of Rome stood up and noticed. Mm -hmm. Christ was the answer. And and then finally, along comes Constantine. And Mm -hmm. I don't want to say that Constantine was some great Christian, but he was a great statesman and he realized the power has shifted to Jesus Christ. I'm putting the cross on my shield. And, And so if you want to be with me, you are going to embrace Jesus Christ. And, and that was the turning point in terms of persecuting the Christians in a direct way. The interesting thing, too, is I, I don't know how many hundred year, hundreds of years later, then I think it was under Theodosius II, they made Christianity the official religion. 
Mm. And then things started to really tank. Yeah. Like yeah. morality really went downhill and people just were forced to do it. Yeah. So then it really lost the the zest and the zeal. And mm. it just was like, well, we're all, we all have to do this. And this mm. is kind of like the requirement. And then just people's fervor really died down. Not to mention you got the same government officials who used to, you know, do things, bad things, oppress people in the name of God, Caesar, or, or mm-hmm. God, you know, God, and now they're doing it uh, as a false witness mm-hmm. of Jesus Christ. Yeah. <laughs> now they're they're claiming him, and and they're still the same people, and they're still doing the same things, but now they're claiming his name instead. Mm-hmm. To start to to close. Today is Epiphany on the day that we're recording. I don't actually know what it, what we celebrate on Epiphany. Having a good idea. (laughs) (laughs) Getting out of the way early in the year. (laughs) Um, So celebrate the arrival of the wise men, the three kings. In Mexico, it's known as King's Day. So the Orthodox Church, this is Christmas for them. Really? This is when they really celebrate, give their presents, have their meals. Mm-hmm. This is December 25th yeah. in their In Mexico, too. That's way. A lot of people get their presents on January 6th as opposed to December 25th. Yeah. Why celebrate Epiphany? Why not? Well, <laughs> <laughs> that was the day the presents were given. I mean, I, I see their rationale. Like, like why well, I, I know in Mexico they do because they, they've turned the three wise men almost into Santa Claus. Okay. So, like, why celebrate? Or they, they send them. Sometimes they say Santa. That's the not is common. Sometimes they say Baby Jesus brought the presents. That's kind of like, but you can get behind the three wise men. So they're the ones that they're like, yeah, they kind of tied the three. It kind of it's so somewhat commercialized. You, there's a, a authentic like ring cake. We bought one this year. Okay. Keep the tradition alive and sure. It's got little baby Jesuses in it. And mm-hmm. I got one this morning when I cut into the cake. I got my little baby Jesus. <laughs> All right. <laughs> but the, I think. It's just another way to, there at least, honor the tradition of the wise men, hmm. but also like, hey, they're the ones that give the gifts, so hmm. why not wait till the sixth because they're the gift givers. Hmm. Is that how you would describe Epiphany, Scott? Yeah, I didn't. I also didn't really know what it was. I looked. I did a little bit of research earlier today. I knew about it. I knew that that it was like, you know, the twelve days of Christmas, December twenty fifth, January sixth. Um, so like. In the more traditional church calendar, like this whole time is like Christmas time, which is mm-hmm. kind of neat mm-hmm. uh, and something that would be fun to recapture because, like, it's always kind of a bummer after all the buildup and Christmas ends after yeah. a day. And yeah, but to do it for 12 days, I don't know what that would look like, <laughs> but it'd be fun. I think um, we're up to about seven at our house. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I saw something today, I'm not sure if this is accurate or not. I think I saw it someone's post on Facebook about Epiphany because of the wise men, um, also signifying or, or being symbolic of like the inclusion of the Gentiles in mm. God's plan mm. through Jesus. Mm. And that's certainly worth celebrating. Yes. Since yes. I, think, <laughs> I think pretty much all of us here, well, all, certainly all of us here, but all of us in the digital here uh, are probably not <laughs> Jewish. So yeah. the fact that the Gentiles were included, uh, we should be pretty happy about that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I remember I grew up in the Anglican church. 
So I remember getting invited over to someone's house. I was probably like five or six, and then it was January 6th, and people were like, it's Epiphany, here's a present. I'm like, I got no idea what this is, but I would gladly take this toy car. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> You've won me over. Yeah, uh, this is fantastic. Which is why I think Christmas is so attractive to all the world. They see... All the gift giving and the singing, the build up, and they realize, man, they got something going. That, that is, mm. I want in on that. Uh, if it wasn't for the Pauline letters, if it wasn't for for Paul's writing and his mission, how would we know that that the gospel was for Gentiles as well as Jews? It's in the Old Testament a big way. Is it really? Yes. I think of Daniel's sermon during Advent. Mm -hmm. I'm blessing you that you will bless others. Mm. That be a light to the God's Gentiles. plan was the Gentiles would be reached even through the Jews. And the, honestly, the Jews dropped the ball. They did not mm. really become the missionaries God intended them to be. But inevitably, they had a few that did pull it off. Like mm -hmm. Daniel is one that comes to my mind right away. They realized, whoa, there's something to all this. And so, and so I'm sure there were devout Jews whose name we won't know till we get to heaven that were faithful to the good news and that there's a Messiah coming. They just didn't, they didn't pull it off like Paul and Peter and the rest of them sure. years later. Sure. And I see it in some of the, the accounts of Jesus, like, him healing the centurion's servant mm -hmm. mm. and not turning him away and shunning him because he was a non-Jew. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Or the Syrophoenician woman came to him and said, my daughter is sick and said, is it right to give the the children's bread to the dogs? Mm -hmm. And she said, well, even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall beneath the table. Well, mm -hmm. your, your faith is healed her, you know. Pretty clear evidence that mm. that Jesus cares about the salvation of the Gentiles as well. Yeah. Yeah, and the day of Pentecost is really a clear indication. Mm -hmm. uh, you got all those different languages hearing God being praised in their own tongue, but with a Galilean accent, and thinking, yeah. which I think has to be hilarious. It'd be like somebody from Southern Alabama, you know, speaking <laughs> Chinese. It, it just—it would just be so <laughs> neat. <laughs> of course, Bill knows where all those people. We're from because he won last year's Pentecost. Cruise. That's right. He knows all the, <laughs> all the nations. Almost <laughs> all of the nations during the Pentecost trivia challenge. Um, Jesus is king. And I, I loved what you started with, Dan, that Jesus has already won today. Mm -hmm. And more importantly, he's won tomorrow. Mm, I'm into that. And like, we haven't arrived there yet. So we don't know what he's overcome yet. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and every night... When my daughter goes to bed, we pray to say, Lord, we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, but give us grace and mm. be with us because we certainly don't have control over tomorrow, Amen. only our reactions. Amen. Um, does anybody have a really brief, really brief way to be the light right now to the people that live next door, to the people that you accidentally bump carts with mm. at Jewel Osco? Tell them the gospel. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? <laughs> I'm sorry, bump cards with you. Do you know Jesus died for you? I love you. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta get it in there. No, I think you're absolutely right, Scott. I mean, like, I didn't mean to make light of that. No, I, no, I totally, no, no, I totally agree good. with you. I laughed. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I don't know. I just like that's not easy. I'm certainly mm -hmm. not like really 
ecstatic about that idea, but the Bible says the gospel is the power of God for the salvation of all who believe. And, mm. you know, I think it's great. Like looking different in the world is great, but like, that's not enough. Like you gotta, you gotta do something with it. Mm-hmm. So like just, you know, having those conversations, just initiating it. What's the worst that happens? They say no. You don't ever see them again. Eh, mm-hmm. That's going to happen anyway. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like you haven't, you haven't lost anything. Mm-hmm. I agree. I'd say, Engage with people, like the people that are online with you. Uh, I think the the temptation for any of us, maybe it's just me as an introvert, is just to kind of retreat into myself. Mm. And that's easy to do, especially on a line, or just it's easy to flip out your phone and kind of check out the rest of the world and just tune everything out, I mean. But to be more intentional, I think, to engage with people, mm. especially in this time, to be willing to strike up a conversation with a random stranger, as scary as that can be. Yeah. It could lead to something really cool, like Scott's saying, of sharing the gospel. Mm. But if we were just stuck in our phone, mm. passing the time, or we wouldn't have that, maybe we would have missed that opportunity. Or fighting in the comments. <laughs> yeah. 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 Also, this thought just popped in my head for your own health. Um, I'm not really like a news watcher, and it, there certainly is value in staying up to date. But if, if uh, I've heard from a lot of people this year that like they watch the news and they just get so depressed. Mm-hmm. I don't know how much time it takes to watch the news because I don't do that. Um, I just read a, a short blurb and that pops up in my email every day. But like, if you spend like a half hour, an hour every day watching the news, turn it off after like five minutes and go read your Bible for the rest of the hour. It'll be it's just going to repeat you. itself over and over again. Yeah, it, it'll be better for you. You'll you'll be so much better off for it. Amen. I agree. That's right. I I learned that lesson a few years ago that the news is actually the same every day in Chicago. If you watch right. Channel 9, it always starts off with shootings. These are people, that, and, and they'll sometimes take you to three different shootings in the first five minutes of the show. You think, the only thing that's changed are the names involved. That's, mm. It's the mm. same story every time. And then they switch into the weather. And they show you the weather two, three, four times in one hour. It's like, I, I didn't forget. And nothing's changed <laughs> since 15 <laughs> after 9 till a quarter till 9. It's, it's the same weather report. And then there's sports, and, and honestly, that's almost always the same, too. <laughs> the Bears aren't doing too well. No, they're not. The Bulls aren't doing too well. No, no, no. The Blackhawks aren't doing too well. No, no, they're not. The White Sox. Yeah, it's just like, <laughs> all right. It's, it's just pile Sorry, it on. Nancy. Yeah, there's just nothing's going right. Um, and maybe so there's I, people I that, that consume their news on what the web, too. Hmm. And I find that that's a rabbit trail of... Sure. Yeah. You click on one article and then like, this is going wrong. And another article, it's like, oh, man. Mm. It, can, it can really lead you to just be a little bit depressed over the state of everything. I have, I was convicted earlier today, like the time has come, like in my life, to like pray for enemies um, and and pray like not just like, oh, be with that person, change that person's heart. Um, but to like pray for them the same way I pray about my friends, right? The, mm. To to pray for them the same way I pray for people I love because, you know, people who hurt you or people who commit evil, um, you know, you can, you are welcome beneath Jesus's wings, mm. but ultimately always the gospel attacks darkness. Mm that's how things are redeemed and that's how things are healed um, is not by trying to hide from darkness and wait for it to pass or try and 
heal yourself and then never think about it again. But ultimately, if that was the story, like Jesus wouldn't have just, he just wouldn't have come because there wouldn't have been a point because it would have been better for him to just stay in heaven <laughs> away from us. And ultimately we're called to be like him um, and to attack darkness mm -hmm. uh, with the gospel, with love and knowing that Jesus has won the day, no matter what our score is at the end of that battle mm -hmm. that day. So I think you guys are, are, are absolutely right. And yeah, I wanted to, to share that as well. Man, thank you guys for being here. Um, Dan, would you pray? You know, we've been in here for like an hour now, and so we don't know how the news has developed. And True. as a result, I think that makes your prayer, mm -hmm. <laughs> makes the prayer now about the news that we don't know um, somehow special to me. <laughs> um, so would you just pray for our, our country and then we can close up? Yeah. Lord Jesus, we appeal to you fervently on behalf of our nation. Lord, we're distressed to hear the news coming out today um, about protesting and violence and gunshots fired at our nation's capital. It's not easy. They're not easy things to hear or to read about. Or, and Lord, we are we're troubled by this. And yet we thank you that you are on the throne. We thank you that you, in the last 24 hours, in the last mm -hmm. 2,000 years, since time began, mm -hmm. you have not ceased to be God, mm -hmm. and you are in control. And we pray peace over our nation. We pray that you would thwart the plans of those who seek to do harm to other people, to other children of you. And we ask, Lord, that your peace would reign and ask that even in the midst of this trying time for our nation, that you would be clearly seen and that as a result of this, people would turn to you and see their need for you. Father, we pray this today and ask your hand upon ourselves and our country. And, and Lord, ask that, um, that you would fill us with your peace as well and those, those listening as well. In your name, amen. And one story that popped into my head for some reason while you were talking, and I don't know where the story's from. I feel like it might be from Wheaton's Chapel. And maybe you'll, maybe it's famous, maybe it's fake. I don't know. Um, but uh, uh, a lady, it's one of those pastory stories. It's like, there was a certain lady um, and her son was in some kind of an altercation or conflict with another guy and and he and her son ended up getting killed by this man um mm. and after court proceedings or or whatever um she like goes to him and says like you took my son from me like you are my son now i think i heard that before and and so she started praying for him and she started trying to correspond with him while he was in, in prison and, and started trying to build a relationship with me. I mean, with him. It's <laughs> <laughs> not me, I swear. Oh, it's autobiographical. <laughs> this is much more powerful, Max. <laughs> Max was just released from prison last <laughs> week. You oh, can take that word. comment out of The podcast has just been community service. Oh, my word. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> He's wearing an orange jumper. <laughs> That's why it's an audio podcast. Shh. <laughs>
Jeez Louise. Um, started corresponding <laughs> with him. Now everyone's like, was that like Freudian? Like, what happened? <laughs> Mercy. Started corresponding with him. Um, and I don't know whether that story's true or not, but there goes Bill Calvin and his phone. And I don't know whether that story's true or not. Hmm. But I'd like to know if it launches any immediate red flags to you, because to me, I think that encapsulates the gospel of what forgiveness means and what grace and mercy are. Is like we don't deserve grace because we killed Jesus. Like Jesus had to come to save us. And like, who are we to hide that from other people and people who hurt us, right? People who... And her response goes way beyond, I forgive you. Mm-hmm. It's not just words. It's, right. I'm doing this. Mm-hmm. This is who you are to me now. Yeah. I'm going to show you love yeah. in like yeah. a tangible, real way. That's powerful than just, I forgive you. Have a good life. Yeah. Goodbye. Yeah. I think it's the only way to have peace, man. Mm-hmm. I think the gospel attacks darkness. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'd like to, I'd like to pray about it and I'd like to talk, um, about how the gospel can thrive Mm. today and how Jesus can win today. Mm. Um, how do you feel about that? Sounds good. I like that. Yeah. Keep it easy and breezy and beautiful. Have a girl. I don't know how I'm <laughs> going to say hello without being excited. <laughs> without being like, well, hello do everyone. It. My name is Max Turman and Washington, D.C. is on fire with me this week. We'll do it. We'll do the hello and welcome. <laughs> we, we, sometimes we do that and we'll be like, hello everyone. And then Bill will be like, my name is Max yeah. Turman. <laughs> you got to remember, you're talking to Chicagoans. It's like, we've been on fire for the whole year. <laughs> <laughs> and it's only the sixth. <laughs> Oh, okay. Well, then I don't need these because they're last week's notes anyway. <laughs> uh, I just printed them out to make you feel like everything True was under control, uh, which is, of course, insane. Well, we waited to close for you to get here. Well, it looks like you already finished. And <laughs> No, we were just on a pause. No, we were on a pause. Oh, We were on a break. <laughs> okay. I just figured. But you, who's going to take us home? The Lord Jesus. God. Oh, <laughs> right <Lord>. now. <laughs> Take Jesus. us home now, Lord. Well, that's how we should have done that weeks ago. We should do it in unison. You have been... Li- didn't we try that once? I think we did we that. Did. We right. did it for the Christmas special. A couple weeks ago. Oh, yeah, we did. I mean, that's Forget- fine. You want to do it again? Let's do it. Let's do Only it again. Well, Galactic Federation. Well, to end, I think I think we got to go back to Heart of the Nation. Ah, uh, but next week I got more UFO news. Really? <laughs> I All was right. going to have it this week. But okay. Cool. Um... But uh, you know, right now we're the heart of the nation. <laughs> when when people <laughs> when people storm us. the Capitol building of the galaxy, <laughs> then we can talk about that. <laughs> uh, do you want me to do the closing? I was gonna say, um, oh my gosh, I forgot to do the closing. <laughs> Was uh, it prayer and that's it? <laughs> prayer and I mean that's kind of amen. Uh, well, that is so much more than all the time that we have this week. <laughs> um, thank you, Bill. Thank you, Scott. Thank you, Dan. Thank, thank you, Max. Max. All right, Dan, go ahead. Let's all do it together. <laughs> One last 
Well, first time. <laughs> first, time. <laughs> first time in 2021. <laughs> you well, have been listening to the Bloomingdale Church Podcast. From to you from Bloomingdale, Illinois. The heart of the nation. <laughs> nice. I almost messed that up in the week. <laughs> <laughs> oh.